Good morning and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, March 8, 2015. My name is Leah M. and I'm your moderator. The share ID for Friday, March 6, is 7377. This morning, A Vision for You presents Working with Others, Lighting the Pathway to Freedom. Step 12 states, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Step 12 gives us a guarantee, a promise, that if we take the first 11 steps, we will have a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. We are transformed, a deep desire and responsibility to help others begins to emerge. This service to others through sacrifice of ourself is sacred work. It heals others, and at the same time, it heals us. We can now sit down with another individual who has a problem similar to our own and convey an understanding that no one else can. We can say to him or her, I've been there. Because of our experience, we can cross barriers of race, religion, and every other kind, and we can help and guide another in a very special and meaningful way. We can carry a message of depth and weight. With us this morning to speak on working with others is Larry Kay. Larry, a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago, is dedicated to the 12-step way of life and is a loyal messenger of Overeaters Anonymous. And it's my pleasure to welcome Larry Kay to the line this morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Leah. Thanks so much uh, for that for the intro. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, where I'm going to start, in, in, in 1938, you know, Bill was writing, editing, and, and rewriting the manuscript that we, we of course, we, we now know as, as the big book. And, you know, as we know, the, the chapters were circulated for comment and suggestions to the early pioneers in AA uh, at that time in New York and Akron. And one of the things that I, I found really interesting that I wanted to share as a, a lead-in to our our, uh, our presentation this morning is at that time in the spring of 1938, um, one of the comments that was made by the person that was helping uh, Bill, uh, a person by the name of Ruth Hawk, and Ruth was uh, was typing Bill's dictation of the original manuscript in Newark, and she uh, vividly recounts that. Bill was always willing to interrupt uh, the work whenever anyone stopped by to talk. You know, here they're vigorously trying to get this, you know, the early pioneers to get this book out there and uh, into the hands of others. Uh, didn't have the technology that we're blessed to have today. And, and oftentimes, according to Ruth, there were uh, drunks and, and other uh, alcoholics um, uh, who just wanted to talk with Bill about their experience, about their challenges. And she she recalls that Bill always seemed to regard a conversation with another alcoholic as more important than anything else um, he might be doing. 
And that's, you know, that's a great segue uh, into, into our topic this morning, you know, working with others, lighting the pathway to freedom. You know, freedom um, in my life, such, a, such an amazing blessing. And yet, as we learn, freedom is not free. You know, a price has to be paid. And this program, you know, we learn that what is that price? That price uh, that we have to pay is uh, deflation of our ego. Our ego has to be smashed. And it sounds like almost like a violent thing, you know, to to smash an ego. Uh, But it's actually the most compassionate thing that's ever happened to me was the smashing of my ego. So let's start by drawing your attention to the very bottom of page uh, 88, right before we get into working with others, because I think it's, it's, uh, it's important. The last page in the fourth edition, chapter six, uh, called Into Action. And it says, you know, that uh, right here on page 88, that humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are then in much less uh, danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. You know, and it says, we alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. There is more action. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. So there's going to be more works here. And, you know, entirely we're going to devote this chapter entirely to step 12. Now, this doesn't mean that all the information and instructions will be found in this chapter. In point of fact, the chapter we'll be addressing today, which is entitled Working with Others, um, and we'll touch on, you know, not the entire uh, deal because uh, for in the interest of time, but it, it, it does provide us with part of step 12, you know, the part that only deals with ways in which to carry this message to other alcoholics. You know, we have chapters 8, 9, and 10 to the wives, family, employers, respectively. Respectively, that will give us additional instructions about working with a new person as well as uh, what to keep in mind when trying to practice these principles in all our affairs. And as we know, you know, in steps 10, 11, and 12, which are the maintenance and growth steps, which enable us to continue on this lifelong process of seeking and improving in an effort to practice these principles in all our affairs. You know, there's no coasting allowed in this program. Or I'll end up with my fist in a bakery box, you know, knee-deep in frosting, you know, uh, tearing up relationships as I did, or a thousand other forms of self. And the principle, if we start with the, with the 12th step, the very 12th step, is service. And in the interest of time, you know, I, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but on page 89, it starts by saying, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. Carry this message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. So practical experience, not theory, not theory, shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Intensive in in this context means vigorous, thorough, 
rigorous, in-depth, intensive. The number one way for you to ensure that you'll never binge again is working with other compulsive overeaters, right? It's an extraordinary motivator for a guy like me, uh, someone who was resurrected from the depths of misery, the chaos in my life, uh, just the constant state of confusion to a life of sanity, order, and clarity. You know, that's a motivator for me. And it says, you know, it works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. Carry the message to other alcoholics. Exclamation point. Not a lot of exclamation points in this book. There's not a lot of italics and not a lot of exclamation points. You know, this is important. must be pretty darn important. Carry this message to other alcoholics. They're really trying to drive this home for us. You know, you can help when no one else can. So the number one reason, perhaps, that we must carry this message to other alcoholics is because it's going to keep you sober. It's going to keep you abstinent. But here's another reason. Next paragraph, the 12-step promises. It says, life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. And I got to tell you, if, if somebody had told me when I walked into OA, you know, that the very best thing that was going to happen to me, you know, what's going to happen perhaps to you, is to help other people, I, I probably would have said, you, you know, to, to, to hell with other people. What, what about me? You know, what about me? All right, I, I can only tell you, and there's more than a few others on the line right now that would, that would confirm this based on their experience. This is an experiential program, not conceptual, that this is indeed true. And you, you just have to take this as, as I once had to as an article of faith <laughs> because it's the absolute truth. You see, I can assure you that I did not come to Overeaters Anonymous to have a spiritual awakening. That's the first thing. Uh, Nor did I come here to help anyone other than myself. That wasn't my thought when when I kind of rolled in here, crawled into the rooms. And I can tell you something else. My goal in life was not to win, you know, some sort of popularity contest in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I, I, frankly, I wanted to hide. I wanted to blend in at best, and I wanted to get the heck out of there and hightail it out of there. This wasn't exactly, uh, for those that are a little bit older like me, um, Studio 54 or, or South Beach or anywhere else where people, you know, want to be seen. In fact, during my first few meetings, I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I don't know if anyone else can relate. Maybe that's just my experience. And, and really, the only message I was qualified to carry at that point you know, if there was a title to, 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 to my book at that point, it would have been like How to Lose Friends and, then dis- and Discourage People. Or another good title, maybe Digging One's Grave with a Spoon and a Knife and a Fork. I mean, that's what I was doing. That's where I was. But God apparently had other plans for me. And yes, I can, I can you know, admit today that frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of my day, flat out. 
and I couldn't always say that. You know, I've heard it said that to those who understand, no explanation is required. To those who don't, no explanation is sufficient. Moving on to page 89, towards the bottom, it says, perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. You can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals. They will be only too glad to assist you. Don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You know, we see that. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Ministers and doctors are competent, and you can learn much from them if you wish. And I have this underlined. But it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate. Never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. You know, we're, we're brought into alignment with God's will, you know, and it stands to reason that we naturally seek to be helpful to others. And I used to think that the primary purpose in life, in my life anyway, was to be happy. I just want to be happy. And the steps which directly led to a personal transformation, you know, taught, taught me something different, perhaps somewhat counterintuitive. For me, my purpose in life is not simply to be happy. It's to be useful to my creator, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have my life, you know, make some sort of positive difference in the lives of others. Charles Dickens said, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. So the next time I find myself withholding my help or my love, see, I used to do that all the time, very passive aggressive. <laughs> maybe you can relate, maybe not. But perhaps I needed to ask myself a basic question. Does the reason I want to withhold love or compassion reflect more on them or on me? And, and furthermore, more importantly, which of these reasons do I want to define me? The big book continues to teach me that any exercise in ego deflation is of tremendous benefit to me. And in Chapter 7, we learn there is no better exercise for the heart than reaching down to lift people up from the quicksand. I mean, that's, that's what happened to me. I had to be lifted up from the quicksand. After all, no one extricates themselves from this spiritual malady. I know I didn't. Back to the text on, on the top of page 90, again, in the fourth edition. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time by trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later, later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing that they're dealing with a sick person. So if, if the person is not ready to go to any lengths for victory over the disease, you know, we're given some great instructions here. Don't chase him down. And the big book tells us trying to persuade him is futile. In fact, we, not only is it futile, we may spoil a later opportunity. For something to be futile, it, it, it's, it's incapable of producing any results. You know, it's pointless. It's only when, you know, when I think about it that my ego convinces me that not only do I know what's best for me, Oh, see, but, but, but since I am all-powerful, I know what's best for you in, in this moment. Wrong, right? Um, I plant the seed, and I leave the growth part to my higher power. 
if this was simply about, you know, the dissemination of knowledge, then, then my words would be enough to pull you from this devastation. They're not. Yet how often with wonderful intention did I try to force feed the solution to others? You know, even when we know in our hearts that willingness is a one-person job, somehow my ego implored me to do the impossible, <laughs> to, to persuade others with impassioned speech, often laced with guilt. That was my, my trick, to pick up this spiritual program. You know, lest I forget, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Let me never, you know, forget the words on page 60 of the big book. It says that, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism and that God could and would if he were sought. Now, I'm, I'm not doing the heavy lifting here in lighting this pathway. I heard someone on this line share a great, you know, it's, you know lighting the pathway. You know, it's, it's as if, because I'm, I'm a visual learner. I don't know about you, but I, I learn best when I see. Actually, when I use all my senses, that's when I, you know, embrace information. But when I can visualize, and this person brought this to life for me, and they talked about holding a lantern, that sponsorship, in a sense, as a sharing partner. There's no hierarchy here, right? But, you know, I'm holding a lantern down a, down a pathway. Step by step, I'm watching. I'm walking side by side, maybe maybe just slightly ahead of that person, you know. And and I'm literally holding this lantern so that they can see the steps as we walk the steps together. I don't. What I don't do is say, "Hey, look, here you go. Take this lantern. See those steps down there? Go take a walk." That wouldn't work for me. Thank God someone had to crack open the big book um, uh, for me and. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, then I was able to walk the steps. And that lantern had to, be, uh, had to be lit and it had to be, you know, carried on my behalf. And then I would do, I would slowly but surely work it. So Dr. Silkworth, you know, was, was certainly right on the mark when he said that alcoholism was impenetrable to moral persuasion nor was it subject to the power of intellect either. You know, there may be more than a few sharp lines on the phone this morning, uh, you know, whose intellect failed them utterly, you know, and that was me. My intellect failed me utterly. Let's go back to the the bottom of page 90, starting the last uh, paragraph. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything, nor should they tell him much about you. They should wait for the end of his next drinking bout. You might place this book where you can see it in the interval. Here, no specific rule can be given. So I'm going to stop there, you know. Um, towards the bottom, you know, of, of the second full paragraph on page 91, um, it talks about, uh, calling, calling on him when he is still jittery. He may be more receptive when depressed. So first, we're, you know, we're given some instructions that we don't, we don't force ourselves upon anyone. That doesn't work. And, you know, it's probably best to call on that person when they're, they're still befogged and jittery. Uh, they may be more receptive when they're depressed. I'll tell you, if I if you had approached me when I was high on ding-dongs and cheese fries and all this other nonsense, 
I don't think I would have been terribly receptive in that particular moment because, frankly, I, I was high as a kite, you know. And, and now, you know, if you catch me the next morning curled up in the fetal position in my bedroom, you know, defeated, hopeless, full of shame, you know, that, that may indeed be the opportune time that, uh, that I might be receptive to receiving some type of message, right? And in this chapter, the big book goes, goes on to elaborate how best to approach the alcoholic person. And again, towards the bottom of page 91 in the last full paragraph, it says that uh, if, he is in, if he is in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you, being careful not to moralize or lecture. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades. Get him to tell some of his. You know, when Bill was nearly at the bottom of despair and hopelessness uh, and, and the noose of, of this disease tightened around his neck, you know, the phone rang. And it was late November of 1935. And on the other end of that line was his old school friend, Eddie Thatcher. And he was sober that particular moment. And this was obviously prior to any, any notion of, of, of step 12, uh, merely a former drunk friend who who trying to stay sober himself, according to the, the Oxford group principles of the day, came to Bill's home to share what lifted him from his, his bitter existence. You know, if you, if you recall, Bill recounting, and he says the door opened and he stood there. Here's Evie, fresh-skinned and glowing. He looked straight at Bill. No ranting. That's a big statement for me. No ranting, Larry. Simply, smilingly, he said, I've got religion. So there's Evie sharing with Bill that he came to learn of a simple spiritual idea and a practical program of action. Now, it wasn't the 12 steps that we practice today, but, you know, it was the basis in which our steps were built off the, the, the early Oxford group principles. And the result was self-evident. It worked. And Bill recounts, he had come to pass along his experience to me if I cared to have it. I was shocked but interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. You see, when we attempt to carry this message of a spiritual solution to one's spiritual malady, they must be teachable. They must be teachable. Uh, I wasn't teachable early on. I had, you know, some more learning to do, you know, and, and, and uh, John Barley Corn and Sarah Lee and, you know, and so on and so forth uh, had more in store for me to learn. That was the best learning that I received. On page 92, starting with the, uh, with the second paragraph here, if you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Don't at this stage refer to this book unless he has seen it and wishes to discuss it. And be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. As long as I maintained, you know, the notion that I retained even a sliver of control over, you know, the mental condition surrounding that first bite, I would invariably try to apply my will towards the symptom. You know, another bright idea, 
another diet, more exercise, more throwing up. They're all symptoms, right? And each of us has to draw our own conclusion. As much as I want to draw a conclusion for you, I cannot. You have to draw your own conclusion. The messenger in whom the problem has been solved can talk to your prospect you know, about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. And not everyone is teachable. I'm going to share with you, you know, just a quick story of a guy that, you know, that I talked to. I remember going to meetings and, and this gentleman would show up and, and with oxygen and probably someone, you know, considerably younger than me. And just to give you a visual, probably, you know, in excess of, you know, 600 pounds or so. And his life physically at least uh, seemed pretty miserable. Seems to me based on my own experience that the, uh, the physical packaging was merely indicative of the, uh, you know, the torturous mental and spiritual stuff that I was dealing with. Well, there was no spiritual really for me. So this, this gentleman would come and um, this, this meeting was, this particular OA face-to-face meeting was held uh, at a, you know, at an adjoining part of a hospital and, and, and many people are often referred there from their, their treatment in the hospital and, and, uh, and, I, and, and I would talk to him and so forth, and, uh, and he had, you know, I could hear in him what was always in me. He, he had another bright idea, you know, uh, open to, you know, more self-control and so forth. And, uh, you know, um, I, I wanted desperately to draw a conclusion for him. You see, my ego was working on me, and I, I, I wanted to, to help this guy, and I thought I knew the best way to help this gentleman, you know, but that's why uh, this program every day teaches humility that, you know, the answer is not, you know, my answer. The answer for me, by the grace of God, was found in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is the practical program of action. The fellowship, the meetings, the tools, they are all very necessary. I'm not here to tear them apart and you know, because I practice them. We're, we're using one right now, for crying out loud. You know, of course we need them. They just are not intended to get you well. They're there to support you while you get well. What will get you well, or what got me well, was practicing these steps and being brought into an alignment, having a personality change, a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease, this twofold disease, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. So with this gentleman, you know, um, he would come in and out of the rooms. And one day I was, I, I, I'll never forget, I was given a workshop. I, I was, you know, grateful. That, I mean, who the heck wants to hear what I have to say? I, really, if you knew me years ago, you, you wouldn't want to hear what I had to say. Trust me on that. But, uh, you know, I was coming back doing a workshop and, you know, it's it great. And I, and I drove back uh, to my home you know, to my area and I stopped uh, at, a, at a store because I had to pick up some food and I do have a food plan. And, uh, and in, any, in any case, uh, there was this gentleman and uh, he was in a, you know, like those scooters, you know, that, and more oxygen, um, uh, seemed very uncomfortable. And we noticed each other and it was, you know, some pleasantries and uh, you know, he had some things in his cart and, and I had, you know, some, just some, some items in mind. And I remember him saying, you know, Larry, he said, uh, you know, that, uh, that item, that's one item. He said, you know, that, that'll kill you. 
So my doctor told me that, you know, that, uh, you know, dairy or I can't remember what it was, but some sort of, maybe it was like Greek yogurt or something, whatever. And, um, and he said that I'll kill you. And, and he, and I, and I, and I said, I, I, it, there was love in my heart, really. <laughs> it's not the guy that you had heard before, but there was love in my heart. And it was a very, in a very discreet fashion, I said, I'll call him Joe uh, for the moment. I said, Joe, quietly, you know, so I said, man, you're dying. You're dying of this disease. I didn't feel any resentment in my heart. I said, this disease is going to kill you. I said, do you know how ironic, you know, do you know, do you know how ironic that is that you're telling me about that? You know, when this disease is killing you, you know, but, you know, give me a call if, if, you know, if you're ready and you want to talk, you know, give me a call, you know, and he did and so forth. And um, it's just, this disease is maddening. You know, we carry a message. We are the message. You know, you don't have to carry a perfect message. You are the message. You're not picking up food one day at a time. You're working these steps to the best of your ability. You know, you're, you're, you're doing the drill each day. You're not perfect. You'll never, I'll never be perfect. I'll never have an experience outside of human experience. But nonetheless, we carry the message. Why? Because we have to. I have to, and I want to. It's an honor. It's a, it's a privilege. It's the bright spot of my day. Towards the top, top of page 93 in italics, uh, it says, Tell him exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself, that he live by spiritual, and that he live by spiritual principles. You know, the big book may give one uh, the impression that, that essentially, you know, Ebby, you know, Ebby that showed up at Bill's door, Ebby shows up at Bill's kitchen table one day and, you know, shares the message of a spiritual solution and then presto changeo, uh, you know, Bill begins to almost immediately have a spiritual conversion and, you know, a couple of days later he writes the big book and fast forward to today, here we are on the line, sober and happy, um, the end, you know. <laughs> You know, even in the best of circumstances, when we carry this message of recovery to a fellow sufferer, we never know the trajectory of that other person. No matter what our intuition tells us, my intuition told me a lot of things before. No matter what it tells us, good or bad, we can't know the unknowable. I mean, think of your own pathway to the present. You know, here we are, March 8th, 2015. I doubt it was a straight line of comfortable daily healing for most of us. It wasn't for me, you know. And Ebby shared with Bill that, that during his, his own downhill slide, he was apparently rescued by a couple of guys, one of them, as you know, being Roland Hazard, who we recall had, had traveled to Switzerland twice to seek the aid of Carl Jung, you know, one of the foremost psychologists of the day, psychiatrists. And Jung, of course, uh, shared with Roland that perhaps his best hope lay in having a spiritual conversion experience. You see, because Jung believed that what could not be accomplished with alcoholics by psychoanalysis could sometimes be achieved through a spiritual experience. So Roland left uh, Jung, uh, left Jung um, for the second time 
in search of enlightenment. And he apparently found it in the Oxford group. And he stopped drinking. And so what did Roland do? He lit the pathway of freedom for Ebby. And Ebby was able to stop drinking as well. Keep in mind that as we've learned, the Oxford group was made up almost exclusively of these intelligent, mostly educated, upper-middle-class businessmen and professions, and some very wealthy. And they, of course, were a Christian group that specialized in kind of like the production of spiritual conversion experiences among their members. Was it divine intervention that these uh, these underlying principles were to form the basis of what became the 12 steps of AA? I choose to see uh, the divine connection that nearly 80 years later saved me from certain death. Okay, highlighting the first full paragraph on page 94, it instructs me in a very specific fashion, starting with outlining the program of action. It says, outline the program of action, explaining how you make a self-appraisal how you straightened out your past and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you're helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he is under that he is not under pressure that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should be you should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you've helped him. So the big book lays out for us here a clear way to share the very essence of the action steps. First, you know, from the self-appraisal that, you know, in step four to the emphasis of cleaning up our past in steps eight and nine to carrying the message by passing, passing uh, it along to, to, to another. And I want to move ahead in the interest of time um, and zero in on a sentence in the first paragraph on page 95, starting with uh, sometimes. Uh, sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once. And you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he's likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they work for you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help him. For me and and others in this program whose lives have been saved, you know, there's a passion for, uh, you know, a passion that you occasionally hear in our voices for the spiritual program of action, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I personally do not feel any passion for crusade or reform. You know, in other words, I have zero desire to recruit someone into some, you know, kind of ego-based web of my control, you know, and and convert someone to some way of being that coincides with my deepest desires. You know, I only wish to be of maximum service to God and others. That's my only wish. You know, I'm just some knucklehead from Chicago who got here 
really, you guys, I got here on a losing streak. You know, just like Bill, it seems, we hear his story and millions of others, you know, since the 1930s. You know, I can assure you that my goal in life did not include some grand master plan to become intimately involved in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, but, but look, God comes to us in mysterious ways, and, and I accept with gratitude that he came to me through the wounds of this disease. You know, it's funny, I, I don't ever recall feeling a deep connection to my higher power through, uh, you know, the Kit Kat bars and pizza and the other, you know, things in the bakery box, and yet, thank God, someone thought enough of me and, and thought enough of themselves to crack open this big book and bring it to light for me and share with me a way out of this, this madness. Even though at times I, I fully rejected its authenticity. But, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And one of the things I didn't know was what God's plan was for me. How could I? Bottom of page 95. Last paragraph. If he thinks he can do the job in some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach, Encourage him to follow his own conscience. We have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach that worked with us. But point out that we alcoholics have much in common and that you would like in any case to be friendly. Let it go with that. You know, it, it occurs to me um, that people often equate freedom with having a lot of control over others as well as over their environment, you know. and And, and you know, Truth be told, society often reinforces this notion that control is a good thing, perhaps uh, something to be coveted. Yet, I have learned as a result of actively living these steps that my ultimate freedom came from surrender, from ego deflation, and acceptance of what is. And it was it was only in my perfectionism, in the face of of my human inadequacies that, you know, I sought to persuade others, attempting to mold them in a manner that serves my desires. In effect, you know, we want to shed ourselves of the constant drumbeat of anxiety, you know, that we feel by perhaps inadvertently shaming others to see things our way. Guess what, Larry? The God job? Taken. You know, no need to apply for that one. That's a pay grade higher than mine, you know? When we hear things like, you know, just another bozo on the bus and we, you, know, you might smile and so forth, I mean, but that, that has meaning to me, you know. And you see, many of us learn to shame others because perhaps we were shamed. You know, when I wolf down that, you know, that, that, you know, that apple pie as a, as a, as a child, uh, shamed by, you know, a parent for my behavior, you know, why is it that I can then become the arrogant one years later, carrying the torch of disdain for others with this disease? Well, that can happen. You know, why is it that I'm capable of feeling that, that searing inner flame of judgment, dripping with judgment and self-righteousness? You know, in carrying this beautiful message, and it is a beautiful message, I need to guard against this desire to play God. You know, I may be an agent of God, if you will, you know, sort of allow the privilege of, of, of doing so, but let me never lose sight of my pay grade. Just another, there's no hierarchy here. There's no gurus, none. 
shame just elicits more shame. Top of page 97, it says, first full paragraph, never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. I want to share uh, briefly, um, you know, I remember when I had, uh, you know, completed this practical program of action, five years in the program, mind you. Within the five years in program, the most back-to-back abstinence I ever had was 35 days in succession for five years. Now, I'll tell you, I was mostly abstinent. But that was, uh, and uh, you know, and I and I had a reasonable food plan. It was worked out with a nutritionist and so forth. I knew what my, you know, we call like a red light foods. I knew that I had to put the underlying substance down and, and quit playing with the heroin, playing with fire, you know. But when I finally did that and worked through these steps entirely and had a, a change, had a personality change, and now I had a message to carry, and uh, and I and, and God, you know, flooded me with love and compassion. You know, um, uh, it, it just still human, still imperfect human, but you know, I, I just felt um, such a, a flood of desire to be of service to God and to others, and it hasn't left me since. Um, but at that time, you know, putting myself out there, you know, invariably, you know, you, you put yourself out there and, and, you know, this 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 program is a program of attraction, not promotion, you know. So, so you know, sometimes we, we could now, if we have a message to carry, that's an attractive message, right? And people were calling and, and, and it was beautiful. And uh, I, believe me, I, you were helping me much more than I was helping you. Trust me on that one. And I still feel that way today, okay, with humility, I feel that and um but you know, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed uh a few years back, and I remember calling someone with a, a lot of recovery and uh and i uh and I said uh so and so you know uh, you know, I was just curious because this person had put themselves out there quite a bit, and uh just a a beautiful message and you know, and I thought, well, they would know what this is like, a sense of overwhelm at times, you know. And so I said something like this. I'll call him Bob. And I said, Bob, you know, I imagine you get tons of calls, emails. And I, mean, I can only imagine, you know, because I, I do. And, you know, and he said, Larry, turn to, without it, he didn't miss a beat. Turn to page 97. Read that for me, would you, the top of the, yeah, sure, okay. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. You know, I need to to take a look at what I'm doing and why I'm doing this. And, um, you know, it's uh, I do this because, one, just as we started reading the beginning, you know, it, it helps me. It keeps me on the beam of recovery. I need to stay there if I'm going to be of maximum service to God and to others. I'm of no use to you if I'm knee-deep in frosting. You know, I'm no, no use to you if I'm one day I'm on the line and uh, sharing a, a message and next day I'm, I'm knee-deep in frosting, and then a month later that I'm back with you and so forth. I'm not, I'm not serving God, and I sure as heck am not serving you. 
and I'm not I'm not helping myself either. So let's be sure and recognize this is the foundation stone of our recovery. Uh, it's it's for me guys. It's kind of a have to, you know, but it's 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 a, it's a beautiful have to. Page ninety-eight. It says uh, uh, a part that I love in the first full paragraph, but not reading the whole paragraph, starting with some of us. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn the truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God. Into the next part. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts God and clean house. And I need to remember that, you know, when I'm working with others, that, you know, regardless of your station in life, your, your home's in uh, foreclosure, yes, I, I, I remember what that's like. Uh, you, you, your, your husband left you. You left your husband. Uh, you, don't, you, you don't have communication with your kids. There's illness. Uh, a loved one uh, passed on. You know, we've taken very hard knocks to learn the truth with any of these things. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God. It's God, it's God, it's God. When I say it's God, I mean the God of your own own understanding. I'm not here to sell any God. I don't even know what God is really, but I do in that my heart is filled with, with whatever this thing is. And I have not found it necessary in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days to pick up my binge substances and, you know, the freedom to love others and the freedom not to struggle anymore with the food. It is not a struggle anymore. So burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. doesn't mean that, oh, that might appeal to your isolationist nature. I don't need anyone. I can see it says it right here in black and white. But, you know, the only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. And in trusting in God and in cleaning house, that's where it's a we program. This was never something that I would be able to do of my own accord by myself. I had to be part of this, part of this fellowship. On page uh, 90, uh, bottom of page uh, 99, it says, very last line of page 99, it says, remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people. It is dependent upon his relationship with God. So there we have it again. We have seen men get well whose families have not returned at all. We have seen others slip when the family came back too soon. And I love this next paragraph on page 100. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands, we're better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. So, you know, we walk day by day, lighting that pathway to freedom, holding that lantern. And when we persist, remarkable things do happen. And sometimes, yes, we miss the forest of the trees. Sometimes, we don't see the subtleties in the, in the small miracles. We're looking for the big miracle. And that's, that was my ego. 
you know, but I had to also be compassionate towards myself and recognize that, you know, that this higher power of my own understanding is in charge. I'm no longer the principal. I'm no longer in charge of you, and I'm no longer in charge of, of, of circumstances, situations. I asked for God every day before I got online this morning. God, help me to, to, to be of service to the man and woman who's still suffering in this disease. You know, thy will, not mine be done. You know, we, 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 I, I do that because I want to set the tone for the day. And every day that I do that, God throws people at me. It's the most amazing, extraordinary, beautiful thing. You know, gives me an opportunity. And I'm not perfect, and I'm not, you know, and I don't have all the answers. I'm not lighting a pathway of Larry's program. This isn't my program. This is the program that was laid out by our founders and our pioneers, the the practical program of action that got me well of Alcoholics Anonymous. The second full paragraph on page, flipping over to page 102, talks about what my job is. It gives me some precise instruction. Starting with your job. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives and God will keep you unharmed. So it tells me, it lays out for me my job, you know, what my job is today, every day, every day. I do not simply, you know, fit the program into my life as it fits because I have work, I teach, I do this, I do that, I, I'm a father, I'm all these other things. Let me see when I can, let me, let me, let me see where I can slide in programs. See, that's not how, how it is for me anymore. And it's not drudgery. The program is who I am. This is, see, God changed me into a new person. Only after I wanted to feel comfortable first, God, just make me comfortable first. Change my feelings first, and then I'll do this stuff. And I made an errand boy or an errand girl out of God, out of this higher power of my own understanding. And that, my friends, would never work for me. Let me know if it works for you. It didn't for me. I have to be of help to other people. And finally, Wrapping up this morning, let me read from the bottom of page 103. There's some italics there, too. Starting with someday. Someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. And here's the italics. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting any, anybody or anything we have to. You know, I, I, I always want to remember, God help me to remember, that love and tolerance is my code. And I, I often go back to page 417 in the fourth edition where it talks about acceptance. And uh, it's helpful to me, you know, uh, where it says, and you've heard it read, I'm sure, page 417 in the fourth edition, it's in one of the stories that says, an acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity 
until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as, that, as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitude. And uh, so, you know, that is one of my guiding influences that I seek to change no one on this line, only to be of maximum service to God and to, to, to others. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Leah, for allowing me to share. Thank you, Larry, very much for sharing your experience and insights this morning regarding working with others. We appreciate your service very much. And Larry's Larry's contact information will be offered at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We're now going to open up the line for any questions you might have for Larry related to Chapter 7, Working with Others, and you can do so by pressing star 1 to unmute and identify yourself. Please. Hi, this is Kathy Kay. Hi, Kathy Kay. Hold on one moment. Anyone else? Tracy A. I didn't catch those other names. This is B. B. All right. Anyone else? Tracy A. Tracy A. Excellent. Okay, Kathy K., let's start with you. Charles H. Hey, Charles, I got gotcha. you. Okay, Kathy K. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Um, this is Kathy K., a recovered compulsive reader from Boston. And thank you, Larry. It was just wonderful to hear you uh, reflect on working with others. Um, I really got a lot out of your wisdom this morning. Um, and it makes me think and want to ask you a, a kind of a practical question about working with others. I notice in my own recovery that, um, you know, I see how wonderful it is to work with others, and I've really benefited a lot from working with sponsees and taking them through the steps. What I also see is it can become a distraction from my own 12-step recovery work. Um, that is, I, I load up on sponsees to the point where I don't have any space in my life to do my daily tents and to um, pray and meditate as much as I need to to stay connected with God. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about that. Uh, <clears throat> Kathy Kay, thanks so much for the question. It's a wonderful question. Um, you know, I can only share my experience and what I've learned, um, you know, so far. And so, you know, I see that, yeah, it can be overwhelming at times, right? And, uh, you know, as human beings, we have, you know, we have limited time. We have uh, lots of different things that, dem- you know, demands our attention, you know, and, you um, you know, so it, it can be a challenge. And, you know, for me, one of the things, <clears throat> you know, that I try to do is I try to keep some balance there. So from a practical standpoint, what I do uh, to the best of my ability, first and foremost, I take everything to my higher power, you know, because my my thinking, 
you know, my best thinking, you know, got me here. And even though I, I, I am a recovered compulsive overeater, I still, you know, am human. So I, um, when I meant it when I said uh, and made that affirmative declaration that I would turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God. And in doing so, each time I'm given the opportunity to help someone, you know, whether someone calls and says, hey, will you sponsor me? Hey, buddy, you know, or, you know, some people, uh, you know, uh, will, will just contact you and, and, and uh, you know, maybe they, they, they want, you know, help getting started or so forth. Um, but I, I need to put some boundaries just in a way, Kathy, that I put boundaries around my food. Um, I also need to put some boundaries around lighting the pathway. And when I say that, it's, you know, so the question, the guilt can come in, you know, and for me, and, and maybe perhaps others can resonate, it resonates with others, where, you know, we, we, we start thinking, are we doing enough? And even asking that question of myself, uh, my magical mind comes back and says, no, you, in fact, you are not doing enough, more. More people, more, 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 more. I have a problem with more. More ding-dongs, more sponsees, more, right? So, no, I, I go to God and say, God, you know, please direct my thinking and how I could be of service to this person. Help me to have the balance and the boundaries that you would have me. And with that, I find that, of course, I want an answer immediately. I want God to then knock on my door and sit down and uh, have a cup of tea with me and tell me precisely and lay out the plan. Of course, that doesn't happen. So, so, but, but God speaks to me through my intuition, and I do need to trust my intuition. And I can't be all things to all people, but I try to be uh, of help. And there's so many different ways to be of help. So in a practical matter, one of the things, I mean, there's so many different things we can do. It is, uh, I'll just say, so there's other questions too, that it's okay. I've learned it's okay to have people connect people with other people. And leave it in God's hands. It's not Larry's plan. It's God's plan. And we never know. So uh, I, I have no problem when I, um, at, I'm at capacity and I'm feeling a capacity there that I, I, I have the privilege of connecting others, uh, other, you know, people to other people. And it's amazing what happens. I'm sure you've done that too. So I, I don't know. That's one of the things that I do. And I do put boundaries around it. I hope that helps. Thanks, Larry. Thanks so much. Sure. Pleasure. Thank you, Kathy Kay, for the question. B, it's your turn. Star one to unmute. B. All right, perhaps she's having some technical difficulty. Let's go on to Tracy A. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, is this B? Okay, yes it is. I apologize. I was having a very tough time unmuting. I'm very okay. sorry. Please go um, ahead with your question. I, thank you. Um, this was such a perfect topic, and Larry, thank you so much for your insights because I am asking about a sponsee. I have someone who turns over food and claims that she is abstinent. I have no reason to doubt that, and absolutely refuses to do anything else. And it is starting definitely to affect my recovery. And I've spoken about it with my sponsor. And I am questioning, my question is, how do you know when to let someone go? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. You know, how, do we, how do we know when to let someone go? Um, 
you know, I, I go to the big book and the big book, you know, tells me, um, I, I, I wish, you know, sometimes in my perfectionism, in me wanting to, you know, you know, dot my T or dot my T's, uh, that, that'd be a trick, cross my T's and dot my I's, um, that I want um, closure, you know, I want, uh, I'm not comfortable with areas of gray, you know, so I want closure, and it's amazing how this pro- program has brought me into uh, being more accepting with just this whole notion of areas of gray in my life, and that's one that you describe here. You're just not sure what to do in this case, and again, I go to God, and I ask for God's uh, God's direction, and then I I trust that it will come, but more specifically, so yeah, we get people like that, that maybe after going to God first, uh, for me, maybe I, I get, you know, a, a feeling over time, you know, I do want to, love and tolerance is my code, but compassionate love for me oftentimes is, um, compassionate love for me is not always, excuse me for a second, I'm on the phone, thank you so much for coming by, yeah, no, thank you, yeah, I'm out of town, you guys, so my, I wanted to be compassionate and let that person know um, that they didn't need to come in the room, but um but anyway, so with that, the uh, I think when when someone is uh, not ready, the big book tells us, do, you know, do not, we don't need to chase that person down, nor do we, you know, sometimes we need to cut the cord, and we're always there, you know. So so my discussion might be like, look, you know, I, I I'm I'm pretty certain that I'm not being of of maximum service to you at this point. And, uh, you know, I'm sharing with you, you know, what the practical program of action and what has worked for me and has brought me in alignment with my higher power. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. We're always here. You know, I'm here when you're ready to, you know, to follow this. But you might be able to find what you're looking for with someone else. But right now, I'm finding that I'm, I'm not comfortable exactly with the direction that this is going. So we, we, that's compassionate love. You know, and it doesn't have to be confrontational. It doesn't have to be with disharmony. Um, I have had people that have been angry with me at times, um, you know, when that, when that has happened. And I have to be willing uh, to accept what is, you know. So I think what it is sometimes is just the permission to, you know, to say, God, help me to be loving and tolerant to the best of my ability you know, with this person and guide me as you would have me be, you know, if I'm not doing that and I'm not going to the higher power of my own understanding, then uh, I'm trying to go it alone. And when I go it alone, I mess it up. So I I hope that's uh, helpful to you. Yes, it is. I've done those things and you've reinforced it for me. And I thank you very much because um, I want to be of help to this person. And one of the things that you said, which is so true, is my ego tells me that I can. But the reality is telling me something different. So thank you very, very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, C. Tracy A., your turn. Uh, I think you answered part of my question with the last two uh, questions that you answered, which is turning to the higher power for um, my will in my life, my thoughts and my actions. Um, but on a practical level, I wanted to know, uh, on page 95, um, you're talking about, um, you said, uh, sorry, 
uh, give him a chance to think it over when you're introducing a newcomer or a prospect to the program. Um, so, so what does that look like when someone asks you to sponsor them? What does it look like to give them a chance to think it over? And when do you start to to work with them? Sure, sure. No, that that. Thank you for the question. Uh, thank you so much for the question. So, you know, I um, I used to let me. I, I think it might be helpful to 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 show some contrast. Um, you know, in this program, I, the way years ago that I went about it, and you know, uh, we just learn more as time goes on. Is because my ego was still um, just in a state of, you know, it was it was just kind of puffed up, and uh, so oftentimes, you know, if I if if someone had asked me, I I would just lay it out, baby. You know, this this is it my way or the highway, this is what got me well, and you will, and there was a lot of you will do this. I mean, I mean not, you know, not, not quite in that language. So I, I tried to, you know, cast it with a shade of, of, of compassion and tolerance, but it was pretty much kind of like that. And, and today, um, you know, uh, uh, again, going to God in each, in each circumstance and asking for this person, because each person's different, and we all come at different different stages, right? And some, some higher bottom, some lower bottom, some with some spiritual foundation, some not, you know, and you try to really learn about that man or woman and, and where they are all the while asking for God to guide me in this process. So now, you know, now there I am and I have a little bit of knowledge about this person. Um, I don't want to necessarily um, rush in right away because when I have done that in the past, and said, okay, you know, here's, you know, here, here it is, and I want you to do this, 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 and this, and yeah, I got it. And, you know, then what I'm building is kind of, it seems to me, sort of a um, kind of a, a, a crutch on me. And really what we want to do as part of this program, I think, is more and more to allow an unfolding of the spiritual awakening as the result of working the steps. They don't know, as I didn't, that working the steps precisely as laid out in the big book, would result in a complete personality change. How could they know that? I didn't know that. So they're looking for precise, you know, things. And so I oftentimes will, will, you know, first I have to know, have they put their heroin down? You know, have they put their bin substances down? And maybe to give them some some guidance on that first and foremost, because they're going to have to have the clarity in which to start this process. And then um, after they've ha- they've done that for a time, perhaps a week, I know some people, there's no, there's no prescription that tells me that after exactly three days or two days, whatever it is, but they need to have some separation from that. Um, they're going to feel uh, uncomfortability. Then at least they'll have the clarity, hopefully, to we can crack open the big book and start from the very beginning, just as someone did it for me, and begin to light up that pathway to freedom. So um, I hope that helps a little bit, but I know there's probably more specifics involved for, for some people, but that's what I do. I have no problem being patient with someone. Does that help a little bit? Yeah, it does. I just uh, I think of it as a titration, but I, I, I think I'm being too analytical of it about it and need to uh, reach out for my higher power. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I had to do too. Yeah, I can analyze something to death, believe me, still can. Thank you. 
Thank you, Tracy A. Charles H., your turn. All right, good morning, um, Larry. Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. Hey, Larry, thanks for um, shedding the light on uh, Chapter 7. Um, my question is, uh, this is two-part. Like, when you when you take an individual through the 12 steps, as it's laid out in the big book, you also take them to, through the traditions, and um, it's probably a three-part. And then um, at that point, do you, do you help them uh, to obtain a sponsor? Because I know for myself, speaking, it was so tough. And my sponsor just said, keep putting your name in the ad. Keep, you know, making outreach calls. Keep making your information available. And my next question to, as part of that is um, I'm working with um, an individual that's coming from, you know, um, big numbers. Uh you know, I, I suggested the person get with a nutritionist, but um, like when when do you? I mean, when you know, I took that person through the doctor's opinion, but you know, if they're brand new to Overeaters Anonymous, my question there is, when do you like? When do you jump into the steps? I know we don't. It, it doesn't take. You know, you should jump in right away. But when would you suggest someone that's brand new, that's coming from big numbers, to 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 uh, get into the program of action. Thanks. Oh, Charles, thanks so much. Um, yeah, well, let me address the first one, you know, and I can only, again, address it from my, my experience. Um, so you're talking about somebody here, I take it as, you know, someone, they're, 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 they're dying, right? This is, this is a big person and, uh, I hear big numbers, you know, um, yeah, I've, I've run into people like that too, that we, you know, we call them, uh, you know, a low bottom, you know, gutter, gutter compulsive overeater, right? This person's dying. And so, you know, the thought is that, you know, that we want to, you know, we want to, uh, if that person is ready, I say if, if that person is ready, how do we know? Through their words? Well, their words are one bit of evidence, you know, but their actions, actions always speak louder than words, right? So with that, uh, that's how I'll know if the person is ready. But what I what I what I say with that, Charles, is you know, regardless of the person, how close to physical death they are. I mean, sure, you know, we we need to uh, people are dying, and uh, we, we need to crack open that big book just as soon as possible. No question. I think what the big book informs us, though, is that if the person is not ready, you know, and their actions will give you an indication of that. Again, back to the ego. My ego was so overpowering that I always thought I knew exactly. Now, I would go to God, but, you know, God was my errand boy. So, uh, you know, and I hate to put in those terms, but I think we can all get that kind of visual that, you know, it was like I'm going to God and asking for direction. But you know what, God, here's what I want you to come back with. Here's the answer I want. So so go fetch me that answer. You know what I mean? And And so really that was me trying to, uh, you know, trying to control the situation. So, yeah, but it's, 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 it's terrible, this disease, and it's killing people. So I'm going to crack open that big book, there, you know, just as soon as they're ready. And I'm not, you know, I'm going to listen for God. And there are people, you know, like that and others that don't have to be that size that are dying uh, of the insanity. You know, they, 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 they're, they are, you know, literally the insanity. They might not be dying physically just yet. 
but they are dying of, as I was, of the maddening insanity and the anxiety and the obsessions and all the different things. So in either case, I'm going to crack open that big book. When, you know, I'm going to take God's direction and, and I'm going to do it immediately, you know, and, uh, and, and, and light up that big book right away. And the other thing is, yes, the steps, the traditions, all that, it's all right there in the big book. So we are going to move through there. What I don't, what I, what I want to do though, is I want to, I want to focus in on, on, you know, the practical program of action that will get them well, you know, so I want to get as quickly as we can because it's a race for time, right? And I want to get as quickly as we can to those action steps because I didn't know what I didn't know and I only thought the steps were conceptual and I thought the best it would ever get would be just to manage and control my food and I was wrong. So uh, I hope that helps a little bit. And yes, oh, lastly, do I help them to obtain a sponsor? Yes, I was going to say, I I do help them if I can to to obtain a sponsor. You bet. Thanks, Joe. Thank you very much, Larry. That was very good. Thank you, Charles. Question. Who else had a question for Larry? Matt M. Matt Rose. Matt M. Matt M. Who else? Rose. Rose. Who am I missing? Mara Z. Mara Z. Thank you. Okay, Matt M, Rose, Mara Z. Anybody else unmuted there that would like to ask a question? Okay, so everybody mute, please, except Matt M. Hi, good morning, everyone. And Larry, thank you very much for your share on how to work with others. It's just so appropriate. Um, the question I have for you is, like, um, I've, had, I've had some significant physical recovery since I'm working the steps. I'm working the program. It's not about the weight loss. And I've had a few people come up to me already and ask me what I did to lose the weight. How did I explain to them without turning them off? Because it's really, like, it's very off-putting sometimes you say, oh, it's a spiritual program of recovery and 12 steps. What is, the, what, is there a right way to, to tell the people who are curious about program with, and try, without, like, um, totally putting them off to the idea? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, thanks, Matt, for the question. Um, gosh, with humility, I, I'm, I'm going to say that, I, boy, I, I don't have all the answers for sure, but, but I, I, I would say that um, in my experience over the years that um, we, many of us do come here uh, and we notice physical packaging. I know I did. I can remember being, you know, going to a early, early, in the early days of my coming to OA, I, I found myself at a convention in Chicago and heard some dynamic speakers and uh, people that, wow, I saw some different physical packaging. And it really had an impact on me that this person who was once, you know, let's say four or five, 600 pounds is now walking around and their physical packaging is a little different, right? And so, um, with love and tolerance, I do understand that someone new in program, and I'm, I'm presuming you're talking about someone you know, coming new in, in program versus people that are not in program, um, but they will notice uh, physical changes, and they're very concerned about those physical changes. Now, that speaks to where they are, and that certainly spoke to where I was at that time. So I don't get turned off by that, and in asking God to help guide me, if uh, I don't find it manipulative at all, if I just in honesty share that, look, I was, a, you know, I was a, a hundred pounds heavier than I am today, um, 5'10", 160 pounds, um, but, you know, 260, there's, there are people on this line that they're like, 260, 
you know, what's that? That's, that's, uh, that's most men walking around today, you know, but, uh, but there was a tremendous amount of um, misery and mayhem going on in my life and, and physically I didn't feel very comfortable. Trust me on that. So I, I do, I do answer those questions and I don't feel that I am, I'm again, this, as you well know, Matt, this is a program of attraction and what's attractive, you know, most people have never seen me and may never see me, you know, so, um, you know, uh, for all you know, I'm, you know, you don't know what I look like. And so it doesn't matter. But what's attractive to people, I think, ultimately is, boy, is it attractive to me, Matt, when I, when I hear in one's voice uh, recovery. I can hear it. I can, you know, I can see it in my mind's eye. I don't need to see you physically. But when I do see you physically, if you've been in program, <laughs> you know, for for 10 and 5 and 10 and 20 and 30 and more and more years and your, your, your physical packaging hasn't changed much, um, it would be uh, disingenuous of me to state it doesn't matter and it has no effect on me. It does. So uh, I, I guess, Matt, I'll leave it that um, I take each case um, and I don't, because I'm not in charge and in control, I don't worry about, um, you know, am I, you know, am I going to be turning them off? Am I going to be ruining this? I, I'm not. I'm not driving the ship here, baby. God's driving the ship. So uh, I just try to listen and lean into the steps and listen for his, uh, her, its word. <laughs> Hope that helps, Matt. Thank you, Matt, for your question. Rose, you're up. Thank you, Maya. Can you hear me? Yes. Great, thank you. Thank you so much for your service. And Larry, thank you so, so very much. My question is, um, in your 12-step work, um, do you ask your sponsor for his experience if you are not sure to do yourself? And if so, um, could you share an example or a couple of those examples of when you would turn to your own sponsor for help with, say, a tough case or something, you know, when you don't know what to do. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Rose. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, the, uh, yes, the, the short answer is yes. Um, not only to my sponsor, um, I go to many people, you know, many recovered people um, to, uh, to, to, you know, to share what's going on uh, and to, you know, to get their guidance because, again, this is a program made up of lots of individuals um, who are on this pathway. I'm not on this pathway myself. You know, I'm on this pathway with others. So, yes, I, I do go to other people. Um, and there's, I, there's too many examples to, <laughs> to discuss, but, but I would say, gosh, what, what's a recent example? A recent example was um, a... Um, Gosh, you know, a resentment I, I, I had, and again, it was kind of a 10-step turnaround, but I had a resentment um, against a particular person, and the big book tells me exactly what to do with those resentments. Uh, it doesn't say, uh, you know, if they crop up. Um, it says when they crop up, so they're going to crop up, and it did. And uh, this was a person in program, and I wasn't quite sure, um, you know, perhaps the best way to respond. I had some thoughts. But first, I go to my higher power. I always go to my higher power. Remember, trust and reliance upon God. That's, that's first. You know, once we've worked through this practical program of action, Rose, and we've had a personality change sufficient to arrest this disease, where our roots are grasping a new soil, 
not a soil of perfection, not a soil of judgment, not a soil, you know, a soil of uh, disdain for others, but a new soil of love and tolerance, which is my code. So, yes, I go to my sponsor and I go to many others, but uh, first and foremost, I go to God, and then I pause and I pray and I proceed. You know, because we have to, we have to proceed. And like I said, uh, my sponsor isn't knocking on my door, uh, and God isn't knocking on my door in a literal sense and sitting down and giving me the playbook. I've got the, you know, the text, and I've got other people, and that seems to work well. So I hope I hope that helps a little bit. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Rose. Mora Z, your turn. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Wonderful. Thank you, Larry, so much. Uh, I love hearing others' um, experience um, about working with others because it's it's one of my joys in my life is to be a sponsor and one of my honors. So I have a couple of questions that I don't know if are related, but I think they are. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I have a particular situation where um, <clears throat> a newcomer, is telling me their red light foods, and yet in their commitment of their foods, they're giving me um, a variant, um, a different form of that food, um, and saying, you know, it's okay, I only have a problem with it when I go out to eat. And I'm trying to gently but firmly um, have her take a look at, you know, is that a wise thing to be doing? Um, And I'm not quite sure. I'm hesitant to just come flat out and tell her, no, you shouldn't be eating that. I have said it does not sound like a wise thing to be doing. I've suggested her putting it on the shelf until she's done with her nine-step amends, and then if she still wants to take it back, then she can do that, you know, um, and see what happens. Um, so that's my first question. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for the question. So what I'm hearing in there is, uh, like we all run into when we're trying to light the pathway from, you know, with others or for others is, um, you know, we get down to food and I know people that, you know, they just simply won't talk about food. Uh, they, you know, they talk about the steps and so forth, but look, you know, for me, let's recognize that I came here because I erroneously believed I had a problem with food and we've come to learn the twofold nature of this illness and that food, um, you know, we have this allergy of the body and we have this obsession of the mind um, uh, and we're not normal. I'm not normal. And food was, not only was food not my problem, of course it was just symptomatic of my spiritual malady, food was my solution, right? So, now you have someone that you describe that, you know, you're talking about. We use terms because symbolically they, 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 they're good, you know, red light foods. Well, people can, oh, red light, green light, you know, from the time we're in kindergarten. We get it. Um, but but I, I use the big book because it, 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 it illuminates things much better than I ever could. And in the doctor's opinion, it says a number of things. And one of the things it says it was brought to my attention at the bottom of XXVII, of course an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. Of course he must. 
and this often requires a definite, a, a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. There's other information that talks about the fact. Um, I, I bring it to light for people and say, I use terms like, you know, look, I, I got to put my heroin down. That usually, <laughs> either people look at me like, wait a minute, you're, you didn't tell me you were a heroin addict. <laughs> and of course, I, I, I'm not telling you I'm a heroin addict. I'm trying to bring to light for you that um, it would be crazy to think that uh, someone who is still high on heroin or drunk would then try to begin to, to start this, this, this program of action, right? So um, I try to use the big book as it's, you know, to, to eliminate that for them. And then I, I will tell them using statements like, well, that wouldn't necessarily work for me. Now, I know, you know, everyone is, is different and, and, you know, and while I've never binged on broccoli and water, I su suspect there might be someone on the line that does. I should preface that by saying that broccoli with, you know, just the broccoli, not with other things on it, uh, that I can binge on, right? Um, but that I knew, sometimes I would tell them that I knew what foods I was eating for entertainment that had very little to do, if anything, to do with hunger. And I had to be 100% the food must be down in order for this program of action to be of maximum benefit to them. Um, and I, then I share that it was never, as long as I was mostly abstinent, partially abstinent, come on, I'm 99.999% I'm, I'm abstinent. As long as that was, was, was my situation, I would never see the practical program of action through. And even if I had, as I tried to, it wasn't working because my ego had not been smashed. I was still trying to control things. But also, lastly, to let them, let John Barleycorn be the teacher. What is it about me, Larry? that you have to feel that you are, you need to control them. What is it within me that's perhaps more reflective of me than it is them? And believe me, uh, that can still be me many times that I want to draw a conclusion for them and I want to do this for them. Let the ding-dongs convince them. Um, and with that, I'll pass. <laughs> Next question would be great. Thank you, Maura Z. Who else has a question for Larry this morning? Related to Leslie, with others, Leslie, Alice, Alice, anyone else? Star one, ten mute. Okay, let's go with Leslie and then Alice, please. Thanks. Uh, good morning, and thank you, Larry. This is Leslie. Um, Leslie S. is in Frank. Um, uh, my question is this. I have a sponsee who's working now on her eighth and ninth step. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, oh okay. I wasn't sure. Um, and uh, she's been through, she's just beginning to really understand um, about relationships and how the impact that this disease has had on her relationships and and dealing with them and currently trying to deal with them. And, and now she's announced that she would like to start Internet dating. And, um, you know, so I was a little bit unsure about uh, how to advise, if I should advise at all, and 
I did end up suggesting that she delay it at least until we could talk about it in step 10. Uh, my fear is that this is she's really going to sabotage herself and and begin an emotional roller coaster. So I just wanted someone else's input on that. Thank you. Oh, uh, sure, sure, Leslie. Thanks, thanks so much for the question. So, um, you know, I, you know, the big book doesn't necessarily talk about all these other things, but we, you know, we're talking about uh, perhaps we're talking. I should say perhaps we're talking about more of the madness and mayhem, you know, is, you know, like one of the questions would be, is that person, you know, again, looking for a sense of ease and comfort? We, you know, I know for me that I looked for a sense of ease and comfort in many things. Food was just uh, probably topped my list, but I was looking for ease and comfort, uh, uh, you know, in in the likes of a lot of things, including dating, and uh, because that always a new date, a new a new start, a geographic solution, a new job, anything new, any sort of change that would that would uh, get the serotonin kind of running around and my floating around in my brain, boy, that would make me feel good and forget about my troubles. I, I get it, Leslie. I get what you're thinking, but at the same time, you know, let's recognize that uh, you know that um, you know this person uh, I would suggest has a higher power. Uh, and um, and it's not me, you know. So while 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 I hear you, I hear you, and every bit of me wants to, you know, wants to just. And, and by the way, I, Leslie, you know, we have good intentions. Oftentimes, I think I see the road ahead, and it's that crystal ball mentality that I have, that I know what's right for me, based on my experience, perhaps of internet dating and the, of course, you know, let's talk about the guy, the man that was internet dating, you know, that was a man that was still has, you know, still had the spiritual malady. So I hear what you're saying. And, but what is it about me that I want to uh, use my crystal ball and lay out exactly what someone else um, is doing? You know, uh, that person has a higher power and it's not me. Now that being said, I do hear you know that you you want to you know give some some direction. So what I might do with that person is say you know if this is what you feel, say look you know when I was working the steps, there were certain things that were distractions to me, and I just wanted to, to share with you that you know those, those types of things when you talk about internet internet dating because I've had this conversation with others with just dating in general that uh, it was a distraction because it was for me. And I wouldn't say that it was the cause of my continuing to go back in the food. We, we try to, but there was nonetheless a correlation, right? Some sort of statistical relationship, perhaps, you know? And, uh, and, and, and what it is, it, it delayed my recovery and uh, it delayed it and, and we never know. So what I then tell them is say, so my advice to you would be to go to your higher power and, uh, and, and ask for your higher power's direction. And, uh, and and see where you are, and let's discuss this in more in more detail. And then ultimately, we're all wearing big boy and big girl pants, so we're going to have to make those decisions. And the and the, uh, and, and the disease, you know, ultimately will convince us what direction we should go because we don't know. So, anyways, that, I hope that helps a little bit. Thank you, Leslie, and Alice. Your question, please. Thank you. Good morning, Larry. Um, yeah, my question is is this. Um, it's been my, my experience, my past, is that I've had to seek treatment a lot of times. Um, 
keep myself alive. Now, I have a lot of um, bulimics and anorexics that call me because I identify as that. And um, and I I I am not. I don't think I do this gracefully. Um, but I I it's very difficult for me to be talking with someone who is doing engaged in life-threatening behaviors daily around the puking around the starving and and to um i guess it comes to some people need to go to treatment it's beyond i feel like it's beyond what i can do for them it's beyond what what oa can do for them what any structured form of oa that the bottom line is that they're at such a critical level beyond being able to um to get abstinent without being in a a, a place of a, a higher level of care that I just don't know when that point is when I'm talking to someone because I feel like um, in the past, um, you know, I can, I can, um, some people can die in this fellowship because someone doesn't confront them and say, look, you're freaking dying. You know, you're beyond, you need to get help. You need to go somewhere else to get help. Um, and I'm really grateful that people did that for me in this program said, look, you got to get to treatment now. It is nothing, you know. So when is that time in your experience? You know, it's just a really difficult, a difficult call. So that's my question is when is it time to call, you know, throw in the towel as a fellow and say, look, you got to go, you got to get extra help here. That's my question. Uh, it's a great question. So let me let me hold on a second. I'm going to put on my clinical psychologist hat because I not to make light at all. I think it's a great question. And um, as a clinical psychologist in, a, in the secular world here, um, you know, uh, I have all sorts of thoughts and ideas and training about that kind of stuff, right? Um, so I, I hear you. I hear you. And but I am a limited. I'm a, I'm a human being with the same limitations that you have. Uh, I'm just uh, uh, just a, a dope from Chicago, right? That, and uh, but nonetheless, what I try to do is I try to do. Look, there, there are all sorts of people, you know, uh, that come into program, and some people may have um, may have, you know, this 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 may be the tip of the iceberg, and they may have uh, certain underlying, you know, uh, uh, mental disorders, you know, either diagnosed, undiagnosed. And I live in that world too, you know, in terms of that. And I know that just as you said, I, I fully uh, acknowledge and recognize that some of those can be deadly with self-harming behaviors. And I, and I do work uh, with people and have sponsored people with, you know, the likes of eating disorders like, uh, like, like um, uh, anorexia and bulimia and so forth. And I, and I see the very unique things involved there. And you're right that those can be, those can be deadly as well. Um, just as just as deadly as someone who's uh, who's 600 pounds right now on the line, you know. Uh, just might it might be quicker. We don't know. So I, but I still, for me personally, just sharing my experience, I still go to my higher power, and I first and foremost, you know, uh, you know, God, I I am just a man, and I don't know the direct course of action here. Would you help me? I have told people absolutely that. While I'm here and I'm able to, you know, I'm here, I'm here and able to, to, to light this pathway for you, you know, it sounds like when, you, when you're talking about some suicidal thinking and some self-harming behaviors that seem to be kind of of a critical nature that 
even the big book talks about how we definitely uh, need to rely on other professionals uh, to help us. And, uh, and I might make a strong suggestion, you know, to, to go in that direction, particularly if someone's at a crisis level. You bet. You know, it's, just, it's the same thing for, 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 for anyone. You know, I want to be loving and tolerant, and I want to be helpful to people. But I, the difference is before, uh, God never came into any of the decisions because I made the decision on who was critical and what to do about it because, after all, I know best. My ego convinced me of that. So you know what I mean? It's a, but but you make a, you make an excellent point that we you know that we have to we have to uh, have our ears and eyes open and we have to be willing to show compassionate love by uh, sometimes taking a uh, you know a, a, a more um, you know we need to be vigilant and we need to take a take a strong approach on some of those issues. Absolutely, no doubt. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alice, for the question, and thank you to everyone who posed questions this morning. We appreciate your participation in this meeting. And thank you again, Larry, for your time and your efforts this morning, your experience with us regarding working with others. We thank you for your service. And I'm going to close the meeting this morning with page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.